0: We are Crossroads Grace Church. Our purpose is to lead people to discover Jesus and follow Him fully. This week's message is taught by our teaching pastor, Brian Hunt. From wherever you are listening, we hope that you are challenged and encouraged by this week's message. Hey, well, good morning, Crossroads. Good to see everybody. Good to see you guys today. Welcome online. Just want to welcome you wherever you might be at. Hey, just a few shout outs for you. You know, Heidi, she's joining us from Crockett, California. We also have uh, Jerry from Venice, California. But Leslie Gregory, you're in Indiana. Hello. How are you in Indiana? Good to see you. And then uh, we have David Kuhn, our men's ministry leader. He's watching. And so we just want to say welcome to you. And if you're in the parking lot, quick honk to you guys. Glad that you're with us. But my name is Brian. I'm our lead lead pastor here at Crossroads Grace and honored to have you guys with us and a part of it today. Uh, Online, if you're there, just make sure you're connecting with those chat hosts as we go throughout the morning and they want to help you any way that they possibly can. So make sure you connect with them. And if you're brand new or maybe you've been here for a while, I just want to always mention our mission statement. And our mission statement is this, is that we want to lead people to discover Jesus and follow him fully. So we want to help you know who Jesus is, fall in love with him, find out what it looks like to follow him in your life, anything that we could do to be able to help you along that journey. That's why we're here. So make sure that you contact somebody or reach out to that chat host if you're on Crossroads Online. But before I dive into the message today, I've got some exciting stuff to let you guys know about because um, I need to give you a little bit of an update. Because at Christmas Eve, I announced that our $5 challenge had just done amazing things. And if you weren't here and you haven't heard of it before, maybe Leslie in Indiana, you're not really sure who it is. But uh, what $5 challenge is, is that we just give $5. uh, The whole congregation just said, hey, we're going to throw in $5 into the pot, if you will, gave it all to the church. And we said, we're not going to keep any of it. We're giving it all away. And uh, we're going to do something profound with it. And so we raised over $15,000. We beat our goal to be able to do that. And at Christmas Eve, we said we had already, what we decided to do is pay off medical debt with it. We, we sponsored, we, we partnered with a company called RIP Medical Debt. And at Christmas Eve, we announced that already that dollars had, had uh, paid off $1.4 million. But now I'm just here to tell you the rest of the story and find out exactly where it all ended up. So uh, if you throw that up there, I just want you to know that your $15,000 helped Um, over 1,300 families. Um, You were able to help over 1,300 families. And are you ready for the final total? Are you ready for the final total, people? Here we go. Final total is, here it comes, $2.6 million of medical debt. Right, $2,659,810 dollars and 73 cents of medical debt that y'all paid off because of your generosity and because you wanted to, to see what God could do. And so that is amazing. These people received a letter in the mail uh, saying their medical debt was paid for and that the, the Crossroads Grace was a part of it. They're going to get a special website to be able to go to to say hello and find out if there's anything else we can help them with. But but man, just so excited to be able to tell you that. But then also at Christmas Eve, we announced we gave some of our offering to two local families, Mason Ferrelli and then George. And Reich, both battling cancer. And so I am just wanted to let you know this beautiful lady, this is Jordan, she is now officially in remission, right? Jordan's in remission. Yes. And uh, and I'm trying to convince her to keep the, that beautiful head, but uh, she wants to grow her hair back, whatever. But yeah, so, so uh, but she's at home, too. So she's back at home. She's in remission. So Jordan, if you're watching this morning, we love you so much and we're so grateful uh, to partner with you in your life. And so uh, just some cool stuff hanging on. So the gang, we're in the middle of our series. It, it is a great series that we have called Refresh. Refresh. It, it's a series that is looking at how we can refresh our lives. Not by taking a, you know, a warm shower after a cold day kind of thing, but but actually letting God refresh us on the soul level of our lives. And we've been using the book of Acts in order to do that, and we're going to be back there today. So if you have your Bibles with you today or your Crossroads Grace apps, I'd encourage you to go to Acts chapter 2 online. I just want to make sure that those hosts are putting that link for the Bible in there right there. Acts chapter 2 is where we're going to be at. But so far, we've looked at the lives of the disciples of Jesus And and their lives have been a little bit nutty up until this point. We've seen that they've seen Jesus murdered on the cross, resurrect from the dead. He gave them this brand new mission to go tell the world about him. And then he just ascended back into heaven, like right in front of their eyes. It's a busy month or so for these guys. There's a lot happening to kind of deal with. It's a roller coaster of emotions to deal with. But in order for them to be effective in this new mission that Jesus had just given them, they needed to be refreshed. And by looking at the way that Jesus did that to these men and these women, we begin to understand this process that we could go through in order to be refreshed in our life. And so we've been kind of walking through it a little bit. And so the first step that we said that we need to do is that in order to refresh, the first thing that we need to do is we need to regroup now, regroup is, a, is an important, important, important step. Regroup is where we take kind of a step back from our life. And, and, we've looked at, and we look at all that we've been through, all the things that we went through. It's a stage where we, we look back and maybe there's some things that we did or that were done to us. But we look at those things. And that is exactly what Jesus told the disciples to do, if you remember. Acts chapter 1, what he had done is after he ascended back into heaven, uh, he said, I'll be, I, I want you to go back and wait in Jerusalem. Just wait. I don't want you to leave. I want you to hang tight until the Holy Spirit comes. And he knew that the worst thing that these guys could do is that they could have just started doing before they regroup. So he wanted them, hey, just regroup for a second. And as I said, we need to do this too. Because if we miss out on the regroup process, what we'll end up doing is we'll just start writing over all this stuff and ignoring that it even happened to us and putting our heads in the sand. Instead of when we regroup, we call it for what it is. Last year was rough. This life was rough. And regrouping can be hard, but it's necessary to not miss out on what God is trying to teach us as we regroup about life and look back on our life. So that's the first step. The first step is to regroup. And then what we talked about last week, though, is that the next step is that we want to revive. Revive. Now, reviving is when we, when we let God's spirit fill us. God's spirit comes inside us. And as we understand God's mission for our life and we see the next things that we need to do in order to do it, uh, we, we need his power, his Holy Spirit to do it, which is why reviving is so important If we don't revive, we start to tackle all the next steps on our own strength, and that is a recipe for disaster. But but after we've regrouped and after we've revived, then we can see clearly what the next things that we need to do. So God's spirit's in us, we start getting into his word more, his joy fills us, and then we can tackle whatever's going to happen to us next. In other words, we can kind of wipe this dry erase board clean and we can be ready to to know what needs to be done and what needs to be written that that God wants us to write on there. Which brings us to the final stage, actually, of this process of refreshing. The final stage, which we'll call refocus. Refocus. Now, refocus is really an important one because this is where we start to do This is the doing phase. It's it's doing what God has directed us to do and doing it by his strength that he's given us to do it in. Now, that last part of what I said, I hope you just hung on to what I just said. It's really important that God will provide the strength that we need to do what we need to do. So important. And there's kind of a famous scripture that actually talks about this. You might have heard of it before. Paul mentions it in Philippians 4, 13. And it says that, For I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. And and maybe you're familiar with the Bible. Maybe you're not familiar with the Bible. You might have heard that before. For I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Or I can do everything through Christ who gives me the strength. This is a verse that I know really well. I used to put this on every autograph that I would ever do in baseball. Baseballs, t-shirt, kids' foreheads, you know, babies, whatever. Like, I would always write it on there. It's this iconic verse that makes you feel like you are invincible. You could jump over buildings. You can grow hair down to your ankles if you wanted to. You could wrestle alligators in the Everglades. Like, you could do anything, right? Because Why? Because we think that, oh, well, God is going to give us the strength to do it. But what we fail to realize is that God isn't saying you could do anything you want to do. He's saying that you can do exactly what God wants you to do. Because he is the one supplying you with the strength. Because it's everything through Christ who gives you his strength. Now, that's important to realize, When we start doing things for God, we need to remember that. That even if something seems overwhelming or impossible, God's strength inside you can help you do it. Now, don't take my word for it. Jesus has something to say about this. Matthew 19, he'll tell us this, that with man, this is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. That's so crucial. What what Jesus just said here is important because God is with you. When you start to refresh your life, to get refocused, to get in line with him. So what this is saying is that he's going to be with you when you work on your marriage. He's going to be with you when you choose faith over fear. When you let go of bitterness. When you get out of that toxic relationship that you know is wrong. He's going to be with you as you decide to do all of it. Which is why today we want to look at what happens when we actually refocus but, but, but since there is so many things that we want to refocus on, I mean, if you really think about your life, there's so many. I don't really want to rush through them all in one message, and so I've decided to break them up. And so over the next three weeks, we are going to look at the three biggest areas that we need to refocus on. We want to refocus on ourselves uh, personally, we want to re- re- refocus on our family, and we want to refocus on our mission, our mission, our purpose in life. So, so this week, it, it, we're going to kick it off by looking at how do we refocus personally. But that can be daunting, isn't it? Because the final step of refresh is about writing on the blank page. It's like saying, okay, all right, God, what do you got for me? I, I, I want to I do this thing. And, and, and all of a sudden, it's like, oh, my goodness, we've got this blank page in front of us. And once you make that decision, it's like, okay, now I got to gotta start to write something, I guess. And as someone that writes for a living, okay, I will tell you that the blank page is one of the most intimidating things on the planet. I mean, I have stared down 96 mile an hour fastballs in baseball, been hit by a few of them, and nothing buckles my knees quite like that, that blinking blank sheet of paper on my computer, okay? Because with a blank sheet, there is an infinite amount of possibilities of what you can write on there. Anything goes. Anything can be written right now. But what some writers will do when, they, when, they, when things get hard and maybe they get stuck and not sure what to write, here's what they'll do. <clears throat> they'll start using other people's stuff. Yeah, they, they, we call that plagiarism, right? You, you plagiarize other authors. You play it off as if you wrote it kind of thing. Exactly what probably most of us did in college. Be honest. Don't lie. Okay, that be, okay. But I'll tell you this. Pastors, sadly, pastors, man, they fall into this. Whole, they'll, they'll, they'll be a victim of this too. I know of pastors that have been fired for preaching other people's sermons without ever quoting them. I mean, we're talking famous sermons that people definitely have seen, and they're doing it word for word. Absolutely crazy. And and you might say, well, why in the world would anybody do that? I mean, how hard is it to to write a sermon, number one? I mean, not a big deal, but right. But why would a pastor try to preach another person's messages? Well, the reason is, is that oftentimes we feel like our words aren't good enough. Our thoughts, man, they're, they're not good enough. Man, the message isn't deep enough. And so, and Satan, he just messes with you, makes you feel like it would be better to preach someone else's stuff than preach the words that God has given you. I'll tell you, I've, I've had that lie whispered to me a few times. I've never bought into it, but which means that the messages that you hear each and every week from me, I mean, these are the words that God has given me to preach. So if, if you don't like him, you got to take it up with him. Like that's, that's on you, you know what I'm saying? But... But the reality is, is that just as tempting as it is for for pastors to preach other people's messages, it's also tempting for you and I to try to use other people's lives and and to create our life out of their life. You see it all the time. People will want to look and act and, and, and drive and own and eat and wear and marry whoever someone else has in their life. Because we think it's so much better. We'll we'll see it as so much better than our life, and we'll try to live their life instead of our life. But I'm not sure if you didn't know this, but, but God has given us our life to live our life that he's given us, right? So when we try to plagiarize someone else's life, we are losing focus on the life that God has given us. Which is why when we know what God is calling us to do, we need to get busy doing that thing, not somebody else's thing. So this means that when we decide to refocus and we look at that blank page, we have to ask this question. What do we want to be written on the pages of our life? Like, Like, what do we want to be written? Because when we refocus, this is where our lives start to come into alignment. Actually, they start to come alive. And we're not stuck in the past of our sin anymore. And we just start doing new things. It's when we start letting God write our story that our life actually begins. And this is what happened to a guy by the name of Peter in the Bible. So again, if you have your Bibles with you, Crossroads Grace apps, time to open to Acts chapter two. Chat with us one more chance to put that in there. And, and so, what we're going to be looking at is, is Peter's life. And if you don't know who Peter is, I'm telling you, Peter's a guy you want to know. I, I love Peter. He was a blue collar fisherman, left everything to follow Jesus. He was rough around the edges. He screwed up more times than he got things right. He was one of Jesus' closest friends, three closest friends, That yet he denied even knowing him when the heat got a little bit too hot when the crucifixion was happening. He was the undisputed leader of the disciples. And so now in Acts chapter 2, all this Holy Spirit stuff is happening and all eyes are on him to lead this ragtag group of about 120 followers of Jesus. And so, when we meet Peter in Peter chapter in Acts chapter two, you kind of have to be wondering, like, who's going to show up? Is it going to be the unfocused recluse that's kind of wavered in his faith his entire life, or or will it be the faith-filled leader that's needed in this great time by this budding church? Well, after Peter had regrouped and after he had revived by the Spirit, you could sense that that there was a new focus in Peter, especially as he's preached. And you could see a little sneak peek of how he's changed in just the first line of what we'll read. Acts 2, verse 29. It says, Peter says, fellow Israelites, I can tell you confidently. It says Peter was actually confident, right? That, That he's actually confident. He's confident again because this is a miracle in and of itself. Because when Jesus was alive, Peter was like all brazen and he was all tough and everything. And he'd say, Jesus, i would never, I never turn away from you. He cut a guy's ear off, you know. But then after he denied Jesus, he kind of slinks into the shadows. Then, Then Jesus actually dies. He doesn't have a chance to say he's sorry and he's crushed by that. But then he's revived on a beach when Jesus actually cooks him breakfast and restores him back in a ministry and forgives him. And so now after seeing the Spirit of God moving all around him in Acts chapter 1, Peter is refocused and he is now confident. He's ready to be used by God again. Which is why the first place that we need to make sure is refocused is between God and us personally. I'll, I'll call this airplane spiritual formation, okay? <laughs> let, me, let me explain a little bit. Anybody remember when you could go on an airplane? Like, you remember those things? Like, big things with the wings, they go up. Like, give me a like if you know what's going on in it, right? right. So, so when you're there, and of course you're not paying attention, but occasionally you will, the, the flight attendants will tell you that when those masks drop from the ceiling, you're supposed to put on... See, exactly, we're all going down, right? You're supposed to put on yours first, okay? If you put on yours first, then you put on the mask of the child you like the best next to you, right? That's, and then you go down the line. That, that's kind of how it goes. But they say you've got to put yours on first because if you're passed out, you ain't going to help anybody. So the first thing you do is you put yours on. Now, same thing in spiritual life. You need to make sure your relationship with God is in order before anyone else. Anything else happens, put your mask on first. We need to be refocused on who God is in our life. Over anything else, we need to make sure he's our top focus and our top priority. So listen to how Peter describes this in this like epic sermon that he's giving. Let's let's go back to verse 29. It says, Peter's saying, he says, Fellow Israelites, I can tell you confidently that the patriarch David died and was buried. And his tomb is here to this day. But he was a prophet and knew that God had promised him an oath that he would place one of his descendants on his throne Seeing what was to come, he spoke of the resurrection of the Messiah, that he was not abandoned to the realm of the dead, nor did his body see decay. God has raised this Jesus to life, and we are all witnesses of it. Exalted to the right hand of God, he was received from the Father, the promised Holy Spirit, and has poured out now what you see see and hear. For David did not ascend to heaven, and yet he said, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. So it's really important for us to remember who Peter is originally speaking to. Okay, Who's he actually saying this to? Now, where we're at in the story right now, Peter and the rest of the disciples of Jesus are, are, are filled with this Holy Spirit moment. The Holy Spirit has come, just like Jesus said it was going to, during a festival known as the Day of Pentecost. And the area is full of people. The Bible says that people have come from all areas under the heavens that they're there. They're speaking different languages. But also the the Galileans, all the followers of Jesus, they're speaking those languages too. Even though they never knew them before. Because the Holy Spirit has filled them and they're able to do that. So Peter, he takes advantage of this moment. He, He decides to talk about Jesus to this very diverse group of people. But they're also very Jewish. A very Jewish audience. And who he decides to bring up is a man by the name of David. He's like the LeBron James or the Kobe Bryant of the Jewish faith, right? He's the goat in their, line, in their eyes. He's, he's really popular, super well-known. He was a mighty king that led Israel for years, and, and he, was, he was awesome. And, and the Bible says that the, the Messiah is going to come through this guy's line, his lineage. But when Pete, what Peter does here is that he asks them to refocus, Peter actually says, um, hey, guys, listen, um, as great as David was, and, and he was, he was super good. I kind of like the guy, too. He, he's dead. Like, like, we can go see his tomb if you want to dead. I mean, he said, like, the patriarch David, what, he, he died and he was buried. And his tomb's like, like, right over there. We can go see him. So what's all that mean? Why would he tell people like that? Well, here's the thing. Peter is saying, he's saying this. Peter's saying, don't, don't focus on dead stuff. That's what he's saying. Like, don't, don't focus on dead stuff. He's saying, put your hope in the Messiah that David was talking about. And that's Jesus. Oh, and he's alive. Jesus is that Messiah and he's alive. So let me ask you something. How, how many of us here are putting our trust in dead stuff? I mean it. I mean, where are you putting your focus on things that will not bring you life, and they can't bring you life? Are, are, are we focusing on worrying about how successful we are in comparison to our neighbor? Are we trying to be to have that perfect family that you think that everybody on Facebook has? Are you making your job your life? Are you placing your hope in a political party or a person? I mean, if you hear anything from what Peter just said here, he says, hey, stay focused on the living Jesus. Stop looking at dead stuff. Let him write love onto the story of your life and be bold for him because he's alive. And, And when these people that had gathered there saw the spirit of God moving in these people's lives, heard this message that Peter just had preached, what would their reaction be? Well, let's find out. Look at verse 37. It says this. It says, when the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and Peter and said to Peter and the other apostles, brothers, what shall we do? So after hearing that David, the patriarch, the guy that everybody loves, that he's dead, but Jesus, the the Messiah, like he's alive, naturally people start saying, whoa, whoa, whoa. If that's true, what do we do? In other words, what should we focus on? And listen, this is what happens when God gets a hold of your life, people. And when he gets a hold of your heart, it's a real thing. I'm telling you, it's a real thing. When it says here that they were, that they were cut to the heart, when they, when they were cut to the heart, here, here's what that means. Here's what that means. You are cut to the heart. It is the moment when you come face to face with who you are, like who you really are. Not the Instagram filtered version of who you are. Not the justified version of who I tell myself that I am. Not the, you know, I'm just young and I'm going to make mistakes version. Not the, I'm just, you know, I'm not hurting anyone else version. Not the, I'm independent and I don't have to listen to anyone version. No, no, no. When you are, when you are cut to the heart, you see yourself for who you really are. You're someone who pretends to be someone else so other people will like you. You're an addict that can't stop and you're controlled by it. You're someone that is using your age as an excuse to do terrible things to others and yourself. You are selfish and you're living your life to please no one, other and no one else except yourself. It doesn't care what you do to anybody else. You are undisciplined and you are too lazy to take instruction so you blame everybody else for your problems. It's the moment that you stop making excuses for it and you call it for what it is. You and I, we are a sinner that's apart from God. And when we realize that, that is when you're cut to the heart. That's what happened to me back in 1996 as a freshman at the University of Nebraska. There I was, minding my own business. I was there. I was a Division One baseball player. I was, I was going to class. I was, I was, I was a nice guy. Had some really good hair at the time. I mean, I was sitting pretty at the time. I was feeling good about myself. I was a nice guy. I was, I, I was a brown noser in class. I went to church every Sunday. I was even part of the Fellowship of Christian Athletes. I'd make it to every huddle, and I was sitting. I was, I felt like I was doing good. Came from a good family in South Dakota. Didn't drink or, or smoke or, or go with girls that do. Nothing, you know, I was sitting pretty good. You know, so one day I was at a fellowship of Christian athletes huddle. The leader, Darren Duran, the president of it, came up he says, hey, Brian, how's it going? I'm like, good, Darren, how you doing, man? He goes, yeah, good. Hey, listen, just want to let you know, um, you're not a Christian. It's like, what are you talking about, man? I go to church. I'm a really good guy. Like, I do all these things. Like, you, <laughs> come on, dear. Yeah, those are great. They're really great. You're just not a Christian. Just, you're a nice guy, but you're just not a Christian. He says, you've never actually let Jesus come into your life and change you. And it was in that moment that I was cut to the heart. And I realized what I was. I was selfish. I was arrogant. I, I, was, I was caring more about what the girls thought than what God thought. I was trying to make a name for myself. I thought I was better than everybody else. I, was, I, I could keep going on and on and on. And I was, I was cut to the heart. So that's why back in 1996 on Thanksgiving break, I walked to the front of my little church in Rapid City, South Dakota, First Christian Church. I met a man by the name of Larry Stevens at the front when they said, does anybody want to make a decision for Jesus? I met Larry at the front. Larry was an elder at the time. And I said, hey, Larry, I want to, I want to give my life to Jesus. And he looks at me and he says, I thought you already were a Christian. So I was was fooling Christians that I was a Christian by acting like a Christian, but I had never accepted Christ in my life. So that day I allowed Jesus into my life, cut me to the heart, was baptized, I began following him, and I tell you this right now, my life has never been the same. When I chose to refocus my life onto Jesus, it's never been the same since. But, But here's what I want us to think about. If you get nothing else out of the day, I want you to really think about this one line. When we focus on God, other things have to go out of focus. When we focus on God, other things have to go out of focus. So let's, let's think of it this way, okay? Now, uh, those of you joining us online and those that you're in the room and even in the parking lot, I know, I know you guys have, you're, you're watching the screens more than me. That's fine. And, and usually when you watch the screen, you know, you want that to be really crisp and clean and you can see me and, and, and that's on purpose. Normally that's the way you stay focused. It's a better image. It lets you get less distracted because at least you know where to look and where the sound's coming from. But what happened, what would happen if it wasn't so much that way? What if it was not in focus? What if it looked like this? Now, I know what some of you are thinking. Well, he looks a lot better now. Yeah, he just, boy, that just looks a lot better. And, and, if, you, and if you did that, you're just mean. So that's just, quit being a jerk, yeah. And I know you're laughing at home on your couch, so don't choke on your cereal or whatever. But, 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 but it's, it's hard, right? It's, it's hard to focus on. You, you need to know where to look, and that's why being in focus is so important. All right, listen, get me back in focus. Give me a little something here, okay? Just get me... Okay, I feel a little bit better, okay? Right? So, so that's the deal. But, but guys, the same is true about our life. The same is true about our life. When we, what we focus on in our life is what we're choosing to give our life to. It's, it's what we're giving our time, our talent, our love, our energy, our life, our money, our soul to. It's what we focus on. And when you realize that what you're focusing on right now is not giving you life... In fact, it's taking life from you. And when you're cut to the heart and you realize, you know what? I'm missing out on Jesus in my life. That's the missing piece. You come to the same place that the crowd did that was surrounding Peter. And you say, what shall I do? What shall I focus on? This is what this group of people asked Peter. But listen to what he said. He responds to him and says, Peter replied, Repent to be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. Peter says two things. He says, first off, repent. Repent means that you turn from the direction that you're currently going. That's what it literally means. In, in, In other words, you go from this way and you go a different way. It means you focus on Jesus. You turn from your sin and you turn to Jesus. The second thing, though, he says, is to get baptized. Now, what baptized is, is it in the Greek, is baptizo. It means to literally be dipped, to get dunked, to go into water, and to get baptized. Outward expression of what's happening internally in your life. Same thing Jesus did in Mark chapter 1. But on a broader sense, what this really means is that I am choosing to follow Jesus. He says, I want you to repent, and I want you to be baptized. Peter's trying to tell them, listen, I want you to follow Jesus instead of your sin. I want you to refocus back on Jesus. But notice something very important. And if you're an English person here, you'll appreciate this little grammar for us today. And notice that Peter doesn't say, hey, I want you to repent and baptize as a group. Like everybody together, kind of a group think thing. You know, if you all kind of shake your head, it's good. He doesn't say, repent to be baptized, but if your grandma and your mom follow Jesus, then you're okay, you're, kinda, you're, you're in anyway. Repent to be baptized, unless you go to a Christian school, then you know what, then you're good, it totally counts. He doesn't say, hey, repent to be baptized, unless you're a super good person that only swears a little bit, only gets angry when somebody cuts you off, um, oh, and then if you go to church maybe once a month, like, then, then, you're, then you're good. No, no, no. Peter says repent and be baptized. What? He says every one of you and your and you and you and your. Right. It's all about Peter says you. And if you didn't know, y'all are you like we're all are you's. Each of us is asked to make a decision about Jesus in our individual life. We are called by God to do the very same thing that Peter just told them. To repent and be baptized. To turn and decide. To say no to sin and to say yes to Jesus. We are asked to make a decision about what we're focusing on in our life. And when we choose Jesus, we are going to have to refocus things. Because when we focus on God, other things have to go out of focus. They have to go out of focus. But, but I want you to read this next, next line, right? I want you to read the, the, this next section of Peter's message with me. Look at verse 40 through 41. It says, with many other words, he warned them and he pleaded with them. Save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Those who accept his message were baptized and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. I think this is so important because Peter doesn't say this, this, this line in passing, this repent and baptize thing. He doesn't say it in passing. He's not like, oh, okay, you know, if, if you want to follow Jesus, that's cool. That's cool. But if not, no big deal. Hey, just get around to it when you can. No big deal. No, listen to the word he used. It says Peter, it said he, he pleaded with them. He tried everything he could. He found different ways of expressing it. He did everything he could. There was urgency in his voice. Because Peter knew that the longer that they kept swing it, swimming with this corrupt generation, the further from the truth of Jesus they were going to drift from. The longer that they focus on things other than Jesus, the more their eyes are going to get used to those things. Things that they are only going to kill them and not bring them life. It's because that's all they will be able to think about if that's what you focus on. Guys, do, do do I need to even say that this is not just a Jesus times thing? My friends, we are living in a corrupt generation. I, aren't we? I, I mean, I mean, lying, lying, cheating, anger, hatred, backstabbing, selfishness, materialism, money loving, it's all there. And that's just the Kardashian family. Like that's it, right? Right. But the guys, our world is falling apart because we are living in a sinful, corrupt, evil, lost, selfish world. And we are so focused on it. We are. We glue ourselves to the television to watch it. We press our ear to the phone to listen about it. We we lock our attention on our social media accounts and we go so deep, deep down in the rabbit hole that even Alice in Wonderland is saying, Yeah, that's too far for me. Like, I I can't even go that far. We we do that. And as we focus on that, we cannot focus on God. Do you want to know why people would storm the Capitol? Focus problem. Do do you want to know why racism is still alive? Focus problem. Do you, want to, do you want to know why so many kids go to, night, go to bed at night without a mom or a dad in the same house? Focus problem. Do you want to know why 80% of the United States is in debt? Focus problem. When we focus on the corrupt and the, spirit, the, the sinful, guys, we can't focus on God. And God is saying, keep your eyes focused on me. One of my favorite Proverbs is actually Proverbs chapter 4. It says, Let your eyes look straight ahead. Fix your gaze directly before you. Give careful thought to the paths for your feet and be steadfast in all your ways. Do not turn to the right or the left. Keep your foot from evil. God says, stay focused. Stay focused. Don't look to the right. Don't to the left. Stay focused. Because when we focus on God, other things have to go out of focus. So here's what I know. Whether you're at home, whether you're in the parking lot, whether you're here, many of you are starting to ask yourself exactly what that crowd asked Peter. What shall I do? What shall I do? Well, I believe that we need to do something with what we've heard each and every week. That's why we're a tag here at church. I expect you to go and do something with what you've heard. So let me get really practical for just a second and talk about what next steps might look like for you. First thing, do you want to know one of the best ways for you to stay focused on God and not on other stuff? It's community. It's doing life with people, to stay accountable and to stay engaged with people. So that's why I'm, I'm not asking, I'm begging you to get into a growth group for your own spiritual growth, for you to be able to stay focused on Christ. We are not designed to go through anything, especially COVID crazy alone. So in growth groups, man, you could forge some friendships. You could grow in your faith. You could stay focused. Groups are 10 to 12 people for about 10 to 12 weeks. It's not your whole life. You're going to be okay. Most groups are online right now if, you're, if, you, if that's something that you need. And, and if, if you're new around here, here's what I'm going to tell you to do. I want you to get in Rooted. If you haven't taken anything yet, take Rooted. It is the first step that I believe is one of the best things we do around here. And then after Rooted, if you've done that, I'm going to ask you to take Financial Peace University. FPU, chance for you to learn how to use God's money, God's way. My wife is teaching a class this, this semester, too. She's super excited about it. FPU. So search the groups. You can f- take a look here, crossroadsgrace.org slash groups, um, and we want you to get involved. You can start signing up right now. But, but maybe the second thing maybe some people need to do, maybe you need to get baptized. Maybe you need to take that step of faith and get baptized. We've got a a baptism class uh, kind of for all kinds of things, adults, students, and kids, the week of March 21st. You can get all the information about that right there. This is an outward expression of what's happened internally to to your soul, and I would encourage you, man, take that public declaration that says, I believe in Jesus. So like I said, go here. You'll find out all the details of how to get involved in that class. But maybe there's some people here today that you need to take that first step. And maybe you need to decide to focus on Jesus for the first time. To to take a step across the line of faith and say, Jesus, I want you to be my Lord and Savior. I believe you're the Messiah that's alive. I'm telling you, this is the greatest decision you'll ever make for this life and the next. Because when we decide to not let our gaze go to the right or to the left, but straight ahead on Jesus, our life changes forever. So I'm going to encourage you to do just that, to choose Jesus over anything else. Choose Jesus. So that when the time comes, you can be focused on what God has called you to do because he's calling you to do something. He's calling you to do something. And, you, and when you have God, when you've accepted Jesus in your life, when he calls you to do it, you will move forward without hesitation. No matter how scary, no matter how crazy it might be, because you are powered by the Spirit and you realize that when we focus on what God has called us to do, the only way that's possible is other things have to go out of focus. When we focus on God, other things have to go out of focus. So as we prepare for um, a time of communion to remember Jesus, I just want to simply ask you this. What are you going to write on your life? What's going to be written on your life? Is it going to start to look like it did year after year after year? Are you going to pile on more guilt and shame and disgust in what's happening in your life? Or are you ready to, to be refreshed are you ready to refocus your life on Jesus? And maybe some of you have accepted Christ in your life. Maybe you've got him in your life and maybe you've just had a, your, your gaze has gone to the right or the left. And maybe today you just need to refocus back on him. But I know that there are people watching. I know that there are people in the parking lot. I know there are people here that, that need to accept Christ, that need to step across that line of faith. And so as we prepare our hearts to remember communion, Jesus' broken body shed blood for you and for me. It's a perfect time to remember how much Jesus loves you and how much we need to focus on him and to accept him as your savior. So as we prepare our hearts now, this time of communion, I just ask that you would bow your heads and let's pray together. Heavenly Father, Lord God, we come together right now and we thank you for your word that is alive and active. We thank you for the fact that we can hear from the lives of messed up people like Peter that didn't have it all figured out, but that you used him in mighty ways when he he focused his life on you. We thank you for the fact that you give us second and third and fourth and fifth and sixth and 20th chances through your grace. But God, right now, I just pray that we would focus on you, on your son, Jesus. So Father, if there is anyone here within the sound of my voice Maybe it's a neighborhood that's nearby or whether it's someone in the parking lot or here at Manteca or around the country. God, I just pray that you would speak and your spirit would move and they would say, Jesus, I am unfocused. I am focused on what the world has got for me and I'm scared and I'm exhausted and I'm nervous and I'm wracked with anxiety and I don't know what's next. But today I realize that you love me, Jesus. And so today I want to focus on you. Jesus be my Lord and my Savior come come to me come into my life I accept you as my Savior I want to turn from my sin I want to focus on you I want to repent I want to be focused on you God you tell us if anyone except your son as as Lord and Savior of their life they are free the old is gone, the new has come. They've got a blank slate to write on that they're gonna ask you and hand you the marker and say, write on my life because I want my life to matter. And it's only possible because of communion, because of what we celebrate, that Jesus, you died on a cross for our sins in our place. You defeated death. You ascended to heaven because you love us and you give us grace and you wanna be with us for eternity. So Jesus, move in this place. Spirit, move in this place. Allow us to hear from you and focus on you. We love you. We thank you. Jesus, is in your name we pray. Amen. If you've discovered Jesus and this ministry has helped you follow him fully, join us in reaching others by partnering with us today. You can give through our Crossroads app or at crossroadsgrace.org. Thank you for listening and remember to subscribe to enjoy more messages like this. Now go and follow him fully.